Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the second instalment of my Oxober Files special. This month in October, I'm giving you some reimagined conversations from Last Drinks over the last 18 months and I'm kind of packaging it all up to make it really practical and really accessible for anybody who has decided to dip into sobriety for the month of October, also known as October. So this episode features Georgie Collinson and we're talking anxiety. Now, I have some firsthand experience with anxiety And I will tell you, one of the things that I believed about alcohol when I was drinking was that alcohol actually dissipated my anxiety. I thought that when I was feeling anxious, especially for me at the time, I had to go out a lot for my work, for my job. I had to host events and go to functions and be around people in evening social circumstances a lot of the time. And I thought having a drink before I went helped ease my anxiety. And I wouldn't say that I was a socially anxious person growing up, but I feel like the more I drank alcohol, the more self-conscious I felt. And so I got to a point in 20, you know, 12, 2013, around those couple of years before I decided to stop drinking where I really believed that alcohol stopped my anxiety. And what I realized over time is that as much as I thought drinking alcohol dissipated that anxiety at the time, I would end up drinking so much and then wake up at three in the morning, highly anxious with like a pit of just guilt in my stomach of, oh my God, what did I say? Oh my God, what have I done? And so the anxiety was escalated so much more after drinking. And so it's one of those myths that we believe where I think we convince ourselves that because alcohol, when you first have that one drink, it may kind of help those feelings of anxiety go away, but then it comes back and it bites you in the butt so much harder. And so because I got caught in that anxiety feedback loop. It was really difficult to break and it was something I was worried about when I decided to take a break from alcohol. I was like, oh my God, but what if my anxiety just goes through the roof because I'm not drinking? And what I found, thankfully, is that over time, my anxiety was much easier to manage because I found ways to cope with anxiety Better. It's not to say that I don't feel anxious uh, at times in my life now, in the nine almost years that I've been sober. 
I have had highly anxious moments. I gave birth to a child and I had a lot of anxiety about the unknown and I went back to work after some time out of media and I felt really nervous and anxious about those things, but I managed to find coping tools that really work for me and that don't end up making it worse. They help me process and deal with the anxiety that I'm feeling and then I get through that little bit and then sometimes the anxiety is there again and I think I've just gotten comfortable with feeling those feelings which I think really does happen a lot in early sobriety. We really are faced with our feelings and our feelings are really uncomfortable sometimes. So I wanted to reimagine my conversation with Georgie Collinson. She is so wonderful. She has created the Anxiety Reset Method. It's a 12-week program for anybody who has uh, what she calls high-functioning anxiety. She offers a really holistic solution for the psychological and physical factors that contribute to anxiety. And I would argue and say not even high-functioning anxiety. If you have any feelings of anxiety ever, I think that this book is an excellent read. And she was so generous in our conversation and gave some really practical tools on how you can face anxiety head on without using alcohol. So please enjoy this conversation and uh, let me know how you're going with October. If you are a week or so in and it's tough, you know, reach out and let me know and I can offer some encouragement. If you're a week or so in and you're loving it, let me know because that's so wonderful to hear. Um, I hope you guys are taking care of yourself, staying curious and enjoying this special edition month of the October Files. Enjoy. I think a lot of people first off drink because they might feel socially anxious or they might suffer from anxiety and alcohol seems to take the edge off those feelings until it doesn't. And then when people come to sobriety, they feel anxious about stopping drinking. So this whole like alcohol anxiety feedback loop is, it's a really interesting one. And it's one I think I was really stuck in before I quit drinking. Look, I think a good place to start, Maz, and thank you for having me, is really to take the emphasis and the weight away from the problem of alcohol. Because we often see alcohol as like having this this chokehold over us. Like it is the thing that is obsessively running through your thoughts. You need it. It's there to help you and support you when you're stressed, when you're anxious. And when we take this away, it's really scary. But if we look at it through the context of any kind of addiction or any kind of coping mechanism, it's really just another one on the list. Alcohol, Mm. food, Emotional eating is always a a, a very common one as well. We've got online shopping. We've got sex, porn, like all these other things are kind of in a way no different. It's Mm. just that alcohol is one that very quickly we feel the effect of relief from our feelings. But what it's actually doing is it's numbing numbing us out from having to feel. 100%. It's distracting us. And if we really want to shift this behavior, and firstly, no shame, no judgment, it makes so much sense that it's become the thing for you in your life or that Mm -hmm. there's been a period of time that it's been the thing because 
everything in society, in popular culture tells us, oh, I've had such a stressful day. I'm going to have a drink. Or, you know, we celebrate with alcohol. It is there for us when other people aren't. It's there for us to soothe us and be a loving parent to us when our little child within us is freaking out or really Mm. sad or really scared. And the alcohol takes that feeling away and gives us comfort. And gosh, like when you don't know how else to comfort yourself and soothe yourself, yeah, like thank God there's something. But with the awareness, now it's time to shift and make a new choice. And you can totally do that. And there is so much hope. I love that. that thank you for saying all of that. Cause I know somebody just made a big sigh of relief mm. because what I think we do is we don't get taught any other coping mechanisms. So, you know, there's a big education piece and I, I am really grateful that I think the narrative is changing. I think we're putting language to emotions more easily but when when I grew up, like there, you know, it was just like, what are you crying for? Put your big girl pants on, and you know, all all of this kind of stuff. And then I think as an awkward teenager that didn't get boobs till she was nineteen, and feeling, you know, just like such a weirdo, I was like, well, alcohol at least, like you said, it gets rid of those feelings. Yeah. And what I found in sobriety is sobriety isn't a magic bullet. Sobriety is really hard because you have to actually sit with those feelings you know, and actually you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And is that kind of, and I know anxiety is a really broad term, but is that kind of what anxiety can feel like for people? Is this, is it a mix of nervousness and it's sort of like energy, but we don't really know what to do with it. And so it feels uncomfortable to us. Yeah, totally. It's often people describe it as maybe a tightness in the chest, uh, butterflies in the stomach. Mm. But it could also be that we're so not really connected to how we're feeling that we don't even really notice it. We just remember later that, oh, actually my shoulders are really tight. My jaw's quite sore because Mm. we've been clenching and holding on to tension all day long. But we're not really there with it. We're not present with it. So it's just those uh, later on, you can kind of go, oh, I must be stressed because of this. Or it's the overthinking as well, the circling thoughts that you can't seem to break. And really the kind of anxiety that I mostly operate within in in the realm with my clients is called high functioning anxiety. This is our high achievers, the perfecting. (laughs) (laughs) Like so many people that I talk to, I mean, this is just in many ways, our our normal quote unquote Mm. society is glorifying what is high functioning anxiety, never resting, not stopping, being as productive as you can and trying Mm. to show up as this smiley, happy person every single day when that is not what being a human is all about. Mm. You know, um, when you say that, I just have this picture of, so I have a four-year-old and he really loves watching the movie Inside Out, which I just love that he loves that. And we have like an emotions chart on his bedroom wall and we sometimes we're in the blue zone. Part of the journey of the movie is Joy trying to figure out what sadness is there for. 
So like joy is an emotion. It's quite obvious what her role is. And then there's anger and there's disgust and there's fear. But she's a bit like, what is sadness doing? And then in the end, she has this revelation that sadness is so crucial for joy to exist. Mm. And I think we, it's exactly what you just said. We're so conditioned in society to be like, yeah, I'm great. I think everything's fine. No, no, no. It's, you know, and I think it's, it's masking all of that that's actually crippling us internally because we're not connected to how we really feel. We're doing the juggle and putting on a brave face and it's just breaking us on so many levels. Yeah. And what is the like classic movie coping mechanism we see when someone's going through sadness and grief? They go to the bar and they're drinking. Like I'm thinking about things like um, Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, right? Like these are so glorified these images or that's kind of almost the unconscious okay go do that like we we get those messages kind of sent to us and it's not our fault the other way that we can kind of see a somewhat negative emotion from another perspective is seeing anxiety as something you can actually be grateful for in your life and a lot of people are like what do you mean (laughs) That's right. That's where eventually we get to that. The very last part of the book, Maz, is like, okay, now we've gone through all of this and you've seen what anxiety has brought into your life. It's inspired you to grow. It made you uncomfortable so that you had to change. You had to move and you had to ultimately become a better version of yourself Mm. so that uh, you could listen to the message in this anxiety and anxiety does have a message for us it is kind of like when we're driving a car along the highway of our lives and you know when you sort of drift to the side of the highway and there's that bumpy edge and it makes a really loud noise yeah yeah that's anxiety it's kind of saying hey something's not working here something's out of balance and it's not saying you have to quit your job or you have to leave your partner. It's not necessarily those big things that we think, oh, I don't want to think of it like that. It could just be, hey, you need sleep. Like we need to change up this whole sleep hygiene that's going on for you because it's not working. Or maybe we need to look at your gut health and what's happening there or your hormones and possible imbalances that could be supported. There are so many different facets to anxiety. And so we, we can work through the whole process to really bring ourselves back into balance. And then when it comes to sitting with your feelings, how much easier is that going to be on a day when you've actually had a good night's sleep? Yeah, everything's different. Exactly. Like we yeah. all have those moments where we are just depleted and you've got no resilience left mm-hmm. and a big emotional crisis happens or you've got like a stressful event and you're just going to be so much more reactive to that. So there's a process we can move through to build our resilience, Maz, to actually allow us to cope better with life. And actually by addressing our relationship with with alcohol, that can really create such a big shift for our management of anxiety overall and our health overall and how we experience our lives. I love how you frame anxiety in that analogy with the car because when I hear you say that, I kind of think anxiety is almost like this little inbuilt warning sign for us. Mm -hmm. And instead of us, you know, it can get overwhelming and it can get crippling. But if you can catch it early, it isn't necessarily a negative thing. Like on a chemical level, it's letting us know. I think about when I was in primary school and I was like, 
bit of a performer surprise I know shock horror but um I remember like I had to do some performance and I was on the side of the stage and I just and the word that I would use is that I was nervous I was like I felt butterflies in my tummy but I was kind of excited but I was like oh my god what if I screw it up and I felt this nervous energy but I fed off that nervous energy and I went out and I used to crush it at my dance concerts because I felt like I fed off this energy and and in a way like sometimes as as I got older I got socially anxious it was the similar feeling but I've labeled it anxiety as an adult and this is where we can really start to see a difference between what is that high functioning anxiety and what is that stress that's almost good for us that's helping us perform at our best Mm. like right now there will be some degree of stress in my brain in my body as I am needing to think clearly and respond to your questions and hopefully offer things of value as I speak you know I'm not you're nailing it you're killing it not just chilling on the couch right now right so Mm. there is a degree of stress in my body but it's not a stress that is going to linger once we get off this interview right so Mm. this is how we know that's kind of that healthier stress and yes chemically it's a very similar experience to anxiety but then the way we know we're kind of more in the realm of anxiety is that the stressful event is over you know you've finished your performance you've done the thing you needed to do the deadline is done but there's still this feeling I can't quite relax. I'm not quite Mm. safe to let go. And maybe there's an inner critic in your head saying that you haven't earned it, that you don't deserve that, that you're forgetting something, that it's somehow not safe to do so. And Mm. that's really a nice way of identifying what's, what's going on for you and that there's more of this anxiety present. Yeah, and I think that is definitely for those high functioning anxious people, that's where alcohol is like, such a go-to quick fix you know I think back to when I used to drink alcohol I genuinely felt relief when I had that drink and what I realize now in sobriety is like I was actually chasing the feeling of relief not the alcohol itself and there are other ways to feel relieved without chemically changing the way your brain functions but it makes sense because you put alcohol in your system, it sets up a whole bunch of neurotransmitters. It basically screws up how you think. And so then you just think differently about the exact same situation. You get more drunk, you fire off a couple of silly texts, you wake up at 3am feeling so anxious that you've done something utterly stupid. You wake up the following morning hungover and and then you're in this spiral, right? Then you're stuck there. And that's when the anxiety that you were trying to dissipate originally escalates so dramatically. Yeah, 100%. That hangover guilt is the worst. In fact, sometimes I call it hangxiety. Hangxiety, the 3 a.m. hangxiety, 100%. You're going to experience anxiety when you're hungover. And that is part of what's happening on that chemical level. We do talk about this a bit in the book, how the withdrawal effect after the uh, the alcohol is being consumed initially it's great because it actually mimics this chemical in your brain called GABA that Mm. is your calming neurotransmitter it switches off brain activity so it calms you right down your thinking slows down you're feeling good you feel that relief but it's not real GABA it's fake GABA so the next day all of a sudden it's gone And we've got this withdrawal rebound effect, like me pulling back a rubber band and then snapping it back. And that's where we can often experience heightened anxiety that's more than we had before the very next day. And it's one of those things that is kind of a vicious cycle because then we need more, don't we, to calm it again. 
So for someone listening to this who's like, oh my God, I'm high functioning, I'm super anxious and I'm drinking. The thought of not drinking is causing me more anxiety. How do we even like ninja mind trick ourselves into trying sobriety if it's so, that (laughs) thought in itself is creating anxiety, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to offer to anyone who's really in that struggling place, or maybe you've newly made the decision that you're going to commit to this, or you're just trying to muster up the courage because it's a really courageous move to make. It's huge. It's huge. And honoring that for anyone who's in that place. But let's just try a bit of a reframe here because I honestly, when someone's at that rock bottom place, Mm. I feel so excited for them because you're hitting brick walls in your life. And that's because life wants you to move in a different direction. And that new direction is let's find a new way because there's a better way to do it than what you've been trying so far. What you've been trying so far to get through and cope has Mm worked up to a point somewhat. Now let's use your awareness to upgrade up level into a whole new you. So that's going to start with you acknowledging and understanding the process. What's happening here. I have uncomfortable emotions that I don't want to feel. And so alcohol has been the thing that's been there for me. So we don't want to just take something away without giving you a similar comfort, a similar security blanket to what you've had. I think it's really cruel when we do that and we almost beat ourselves up like you don't have enough willpower or there's something Mm. wrong with you. My gosh, like we can't do that to people. We have to say, okay, here's what you're going to do instead. And the best thing you can do, I really do struggle in a way to come up with that one tip for anxiety because there's so much there's to so it. Many. Yeah. And there's so, I think it's such a spectrum and there's so many tools. Yes. Um, but I appreciate that you, that I, I feel like you've got something for someone. It might not be for everyone, but at least it's going to help one person, which is the point of this podcast. Yeah. And I will, I will share one in a second, but I will say with the book, what you've got is a tasting platter of everything. So you can just sample what works for you. You don't have to apply every single one, but try every one once and see how that works for you because different things are going to resonate for different people. Like there's cold showers. Now that does, that freaks some people out. Other people absolutely love it. It's just adding 30 seconds of cold water to the end of a hot shower. It totally resets your nervous system. It calms you right down. It's amazing and super invigorating. So about six months ago, I I think I came across, I was like, I don't know, I went on a Wim Hof bender on YouTube or something and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to do cold immersion therapy. And so this is like in the dead of winter when I decided to do this and I, I was like, I'm going to have a cold shower. I get up at four in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to have a cold shower in the morning and just see if it, you know, does anything fun for me. And I swear to God, Georgie, I stood outside, like out of the water of the shower for like maybe five minutes going. (laughs) And then I was like, (laughs) and then I jumped in. I was literally in the shower. It was a shorter shower. Did not wash any of my parts. I just was like, but anyway, it was the next day I tried it again. And then I tried it again. And then I'm happy to report I have a cold shower every single morning for probably two minutes and it is a game changer like it is I swear I drink less coffee I still have a few coffees because I do get up very early for breakfast radio but it it's like totally but I've said that to people and they're like you're insane <laughs> surely there's other things but my point is I tried a thing I was unsure about and at first I was like eh, 
But then I was like, no, this is working for me and I'm doing what works. And this really, and now my husband does cold showers. It's like a whole thing. It's so cool. There's this amazing flow on effect when we do stuff for ourselves that just inspires other people. You don't have to tell them to do it. You just do it. And people notice that. And it's really cool. Maz, you go girl. That's amazing. I love it. it. Yeah. Well, it, it, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing. And I was a bit like, what am I doing? But it, I genuinely feel, and look, I don't, I don't have the research studies to show like how much dopamine is getting like spazzed into my brain when I have a cold shower, but I feel so good. So I'm like, well, that's good. It's free. <laughs> so there's a few wins with this scenario for me and I'm enjoying it, right? Like I've actually learned to really enjoy it and and I love psyching myself up and getting in there in the morning. Yeah, and what you've spoken to is that transition from you totally not wanting to do this, having all this resistance to now just being your every day is exactly what the whole process of mastering anxiety is about because it starts off so uncomfortable and yeah. we're not used to it. It's just that it's unfamiliar. And then it starts to become more familiar. And I want to just acknowledge too, because a lot of us go, well, I don't want to do all these uncomfortable things. Mm. Well, you're already uncomfortable because you're already experiencing all this anxiety and you're already in this spiral and this cycle that keeps going on and on. So why don't we choose the discomfort and a discomfort that's going to help you grow and move in a direction that's way, way healthier for you and ultimately going to bring more joy into your life and bring you into a place of loving yourself and loving your life more Mm. so the thing I was going to mention other than I love that we went on that cold shower spiel (laughs) but the thing that is a really like coming to my surface for me that I feel everyone needs to hear is that the tool to work with when you are feeling an uncomfortable emotion is really so much more about having some sort of comfort in that emotional realm. And you can give that to yourself. When we're little children, we have all these moments that come up for us where we're freaking out or we're really sad or we're angry or feeling some kind of emotion. And we don't have anyone there to soothe us. There's just been some moments where we didn't get those needs met. Maybe you were told to take a shot of concrete or put your big girl boots on or whatever those Mm things were or can't you just be happy or why are you doing this to me I just want you to be good you know we're sort Mm -hmm. of shamed almost from our feelings but little children cannot soothe their own nervous system we actually need a parent a grown adult to come and give us a cuddle and just hold us while we feel and a lot of us had many moments where we didn't have that you might have had some moments where you did, but often there were these key moments that it didn't happen. So now that you're an adult and you know this and you understand this, it's time to reparent yourself. And you can do that by literally noticing that when you do feel a negative emotion, it could be anxiety, but it could be another one too. All you're needing in that moment really is something emotional. And it could be some words from yourself that are loving. It could be you reminding yourself, you know what? You are doing your best. You're doing such a good job given all the things you're dealing with. What a great job you're doing. You're choosing to show up. You're trying and I'm proud of you. And just saying it to yourself, it can feel so cringe. I know. So many clients that come to me at the start, I'm like, say I love you in the mirror and rate out of 10 how comfortable that feels. And that's what we do is like 
part one of like the, wow. the they start. And so many people are just like total cringe, can't do it. But by the end, we make it familiar. Mm-hmm. And to be a person that can comfortably say to yourself, I love you in the mirror is so empowering because then we're not waiting for other people to say it to us anymore. Yeah. God, that's really cool. Because when you think about it, like I'm just thinking about when my four-year-old has his meltdowns about, you know, because I cooked lasagna and he wanted freaking sausages or whatever it is. And it's a 10 out of 10 meltdown when it's about dinner because he loves food. Um, and I, But I hold space for him when he has those big emotions. And I'm like, well, the adult equivalent of that is holding space for yourself. And we yeah. don't hold space for ourselves. We numb ourselves and we we um we forget about ourselves because we we have the I think alcohol being that multi tool of coping, which is usually for a lot of people the only coping tool that they have, it just like it cuts everything out. It blanks you out, it dulls you down, it cuts you off, and you're doing the opposite of holding space for yourself when you tap into that tool. And so just to be even aware of the fact that you can self-talk and you can self-love and it might not be this big romantic thing and it might be really weird at first, but at least to know that it's available and it's a start, I think is so cool for someone yeah. listening right now who's like, huh. I'm so excited for the generations being raised now with so much more awareness of these things, so much more yeah. consciousness in parenting and just bringing that awareness so that we can show up and regulate these little nervous systems and hopefully make a bigger change um, on the planet and in humanity as a whole but can I also just say how hard it can be too because the reflex reaction when you see your child responding in a very emotional way and you know you're already dealing with your own stuff is to go back to how you were treated and how you were parented it's like that reflex of oh you're okay come on settle down or whatever it might be so to shift that too takes a lot of awareness and a lot of work and you won't do it every time and that's okay. But the more you do it for yourself, the more you are going to be able to have space to do it for others too and not just yeah. your children but your loved ones, your your other loved ones, your um, partner, your friends, your family, wider family. And that's a really beautiful thing to be able to bring into just holding space for people. We need it more, just not always giving advice, not always saying, oh, well, the brighter side is, have you thought of this? It's like, yeah, just be with this sadness right now. It's okay. Mm. I love you anyway. That. But going back, Maz, to what we can do for ourselves and what that can look like, it could be you're driving in the car and you've got your kids screaming in the back, but you just take that moment while you're driving to say words to yourself like you are doing such a good job. You imagine the little girl in you and you speak to her. You might have a little photo of her that you kind of keep somewhere and you just Mm. say, hey, I love you. You're doing your best. You're a great person. You do, you're a great mum. And the more we say this to ourselves, the more we make that true for ourselves as well. I love that. That's so powerful. Thanks for listening. Make sure you click follow so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are published every Monday. You can follow us on TikTok at Last Drinks or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.